Hello, I'm Phoebe. And I'm Damien. Now you might be asking, what do an Aussie and a Pom have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face over all our currency. There's a great big Union Jack on all our flags as well. We do speak the same language. And we do love winding each other up. Yeah, because you guys can't play cricket. Well, you guys don't want to play us at cricket. That's the big difference. Let's get on with the show. We discuss current events in Australian politics. While on a mission to ensure the Governor-General stays in their job. Let's say... The the Governor-General. Governor-General. So, you want to talk about Dom? I do. I was going to talk about... And I was going to talk about Dan. Uh, Dan's made the news for two reasons. Has he been fined again? He's... <laughs> so, Phoebe, Phoebe, uh, you seem to have your eye on Australian politics as much as I do. Um, there have been uh, had, there have been some events in the last few weeks which have uh, been pretty noteworthy. So, do you have? Uh, so, I think first, let's go to New South Wales because that's kind of the yeah. the biggest the biggest bombshell. Gladys Berejiklian getting uh, being investigated by ICAC, the Independent Commission Against Corruption. Yes. So we have Gladys. Well, sorry, I should say we had Gladys running mm-hmm. New South Wales, and then ICAC turned around and went, "Hello, we're looking into you." <laughs> yes. So she decided it was going to be. Probably better if she ran away from running New South Wales. Indeed, yep. The problem with doing now, that, though... Well, I was going to say, from your perspective, do you think she was doing a good, a good job? In my opinion, she was one of those politicians that was doing everything that she could do. Mm-hmm. And she was going to be damned if she didn't, damned if she didn't. That's she very... She wasn't one of these people that was hyperbolic about things. She wasn't no. one of these people that was over the top and engulfed in conspiracy theories, shall we say. Yep. And led with what was, how can I say this, a a Julia Gillard without the misogyny. A Julia Gillard without the fire, shall we say. Mm. Just yes. knew what she wanted to do, knew how to do it, had got to the position she wanted to get to, and then was just doing things, and then she just got hit by a load of things. Because she's a politician. Well, as as most of the people in Parliament are, strangely enough. Yeah. And that was... I I do tend to agree with your assessment there because, yeah, she was, I think, no-nonsense. And I think she played the politics a lot less than Anastasia Palaszczuk up in Queensland. Oh, yes. It's, It's very interesting that you have two female premiers of two relatively large states... Two very populous two, states. Sorry? Very, very populous states. The two most populous Indeed, states. Yes. Mm. And they're also very large as well, uh, geographically. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, I think Gladys, uh, for all her wants and foibles, I don't think she did a bad job. However, however, I think her first, uh, when it was found out she was in a relationship with Darren Maguire, the former planning minister. That was who not had a good shadow- look. No, who had shadows over his own head. Yes. That will tend to draw the ire of ICAC. I have nothing against people having 
extramarital affairs. You're mm-hmm. entitled to do as you please in your own private life. It mm, may yeah. be something immoral. It may be something that you're not comfortable with. But if you're going to have an extramarital affair, you have to do it in such a way so that it only affects your private life. You yes. can't go around having an extramarital affair with the planning minister and then start making all these things about planning decisions. Or you can't go around doing mm. some of the things that were being done, which was yep. more than a conflict of interest. It was, I'm trying to save my own skin. Whereas if mm. she had turned around and said, Look, I can't do deal with that. I can't deal yep. with that. And she'd spoken to a, uh, one of the legal counsels and gone, look, I'm having it off with him. I can't do this. Mm. I know I shouldn't be having it off with him, but it's a private matter. I don't yep. want this to become some... That's fine, but it's when it's the cover-up and it's when it's the, ooh, I must keep this a secret kind of thing. Well, she did have to keep it a secret, but the problem is that uh, the, the problem is as, as soon as two people know a secret, it's no longer a secret. Well, yes. So she has now gone as the person running I, I think, New South Wales. I, I think the saying is that she fell on her sword. Yes. Is a fun- well, look, uh, you're going to start with Gladys. I'm going to start with something a little bit more lighthearted, and we'll, we'll get back to New South Wales in a sec. But in my part of the world, in Melbourne, uh, our, our esteemed Premier, Daniel Andrews, was actually fined twice by Victoria Police for not wearing a mask. So from his from his car to the back of uh, Parliament, where he was going to to do a press uh, to, to do a press stop, um, yeah, someone had uh, spread the video of him on social media, walking walking through the small crowd of journalists, probably about ten or twelve uh, journalists and like sound crew and and photographers uh, without his mask. And that was apparently enough to raise the ire of the Chief Commissioner and poor Mr Andrews copped. So what so he did the same thing on Wednesday and Thursday last week. And so four hundred bucks he got fined, wasn't it? Four hundred dollars, yes. So now there is a there is a little bit of Schadenfreude in that you know the the people who don't like Dan will say aha Dan you got caught by your own your own silly rules. Um, and then there's another section of the population that goes that that that's thinking well okay it's good that our premier the the highest the highest voted office in the land actually well technically no he's not voted in as premier but you, you get what I mean. Um, yeah. The second only, second only to the governor. Uh, even he, you know, will get fined, and you know, he, he's not he's not above the law. Well, this is the thing that we had the problem that we had in England was just on a slight tangent here. We had a man named Dominic Cummings in England, mm-hmm. and he was infamous during the first lockdown for driving from London. To the northeast of England, whilst he Hold had yes, symptoms. Yes, that's uh, it's now coming. Sorry, it's now coming back to me. Yep, former Downing Street chief of staff. Yes, and he had the famous thing of driving to a castle called Barnard Castle <laughs> to yep. quote, check his eyesight. 
And <laughs> okay. But the thing was, though, we were under very strict lockdown restrictions to start with. You weren't allowed to travel more than um, 15 kilometers outside yep. of your local area. And you could only travel outside of that if you had a job that was an essential worker outside of that. So I had yeah. an exemption from that because I was a key worker mm-hmm. and I lived in, I worked in the town over. But I had to yeah. get special paperwork to go and drive this area and I did get stopped by police two or three times. Whereas if you happened to, to be working for Boris Johnson, you could just drive from one end of England to the other. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And... It did affect public confidence. And what people turned around and said, well, if he can get away with it, why can't I get away with it? Mm-hmm. And yep. compliance rates went through the floor. And it got worse when Boris went, well, okay, we'll just keep him around. <laughs> yep, yep. So the fact so I'm just... that Daniel Andrews has actually been fined from mm-hmm. a psychological yep. point of view is excellent. It is excellent. In- indeed, indeed. Because, so, A, it's funny seeing him get fined in the first place because he wrote the rules yeah. and stuff. But yeah, exactly. All- like, it, it is funny because he, at, at every press conference, he's standing next to the he, he standing next to the chief health officer whose directions he didn't <laughs> whose directions he didn't comply with, and it's, it's yeah. But having said that, having said that, there's a little bit of uh, what you're saying about the the compliance rates going through the floor because. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did have those massive protests uh, about the COVID lockdowns. And now I, I know correlation doesn't equal causation, but it certainly didn't didn't help that in the days after the protests, the daily case numbers have gone up and up and up and up uh, to the point where we're now sitting just under 2,000 a day. It's and more than the UK. Yeah, and now we're supposed to be slowly opening opening up in about two weeks' time, once our double our double dose vaccination rates hit a certain percentage. So it's going to be very inter- interesting to see how that plays out. So, um, yeah, so on a light higher note, now the only the only question I I have though is how many times has Daniel Andrews actually broken the rules and not gotten caught? Because this as I said, true. this 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 only happened because someone posted the video on social media of him breaking the rules. Well, yes, because surely, I don't mean to sound a bit crass here, but surely he must have police protection. He is going to be someone that's wandering around in a high-profile position. Mm-hmm. So if he's wandering around not doing that, why isn't a copper turning around and going, oi, stick that on, oi, <laughs> yep. stick that on? Yeah, and it's interesting because um, I don't know if they do that with regular people. Um, I'm sure that there are some videos of the Victorian police being very heavy-handed with regular people who just happen to not be wearing masks. So uh, you do have a point. It would be very interesting to see if any of Daniel Andrews' uh, personal detail or any of the protective services officers who wander Parliament House, yeah, who provide security to Parliament House, are enforcing the rules in that way as well. So offer something light-hearted, and to go back to New South Wales, uh, they now have a new man in charge. They do. Dominic Perotet. I think it's actually I think it's actually Perotet, but I think Perotet pe- people will uh, get let you get away with Perotet. It's a little bit like Anthony Albanese. Um, I think is, I yeah. think it, 
in Italian, I think it's supposed to be Albanese or yeah. something like that. But he he says it as Albanese, and we we get away with it and all that kind of stuff. But no, uh, your thoughts on uh, on the new New South Wales Premier, if I could. I think that the best way that I heard him described was he was an off the shelf conservatives dream of a person to run New South Wales. It is always concerning when you have members of the Liberal Caucus when they say, here's a conservative member of the Liberal Caucus. That is one of the things that as a member of a minority and as a woman, I always find very disheartening and very disturbing because he is incredibly wedded to his religion that seems to be the uh one of the major talking points about mr perrottet is that not only is he conservative uh ideologically but he does bring uh, a lot of his uh now from my understanding catholic values yes to 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 the table and uh i'm getting a lot well, i shouldn't say alarm bells but i'm getting uh, reminded of a certain a famous conservative Catholic leader who was yeah. in, who was in Curability House for a number of years. Yes, and we we all know how that we all know how that worked out. Less said about him, the better. We'll save him for another episode. Oh, indeed, yes. Uh, there's a, there's a lot to say about uh, Anthony Francis Abbott. <laughs> yes, but, but yeah. So so why so from you your perspective though, why would what would Dominic Perrette government? Uh, you know, what what are the pros and what are the cons? Do you think from your your perspective? The pros, the pros of a Perrette government are it will be a very decisive government. It will know what it wants to do. And yep. It will know how it wants to do things, and it will be one of the economy first kinds of governments, which to a point is going to be very good because. Uh-huh. Whenever you, the thing that you have with the pandemic is you have two strands of it. You have the health side of it and you have the economy side of it. Indeed, yep. And a lot of the, the people focus very heavily on the health side of it. And we understand that. But in Britain, yep. particularly, we're finding out that the economy side is something you've got to deal with as well. And I think yes. that Australia is finally waking up to that. And yep. I think Parate is going to be doing that. What mm-hmm. does concern me a lot is. Berejiklian was very much a supporter of reproductive rights, very much a supporter of individual women's rights, and Dominic Perrottet being a very heavily wedded to his Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And as a member of a minority, it may be that we see either those rights become under attack, not mm-hmm. directly, or do we see a rolling back of certain policies that were going to be implemented or mm-hmm. do we just see that we're just ignored now that'd be interesting but i think his challenge is that the next new south wales election is scheduled for march 2023 yeah so he doesn't even have a year and a half this is very true unless but- unless he goes for a an early election which is all, always possible but yeah, I, given given the the state of the pandemic and the the general economy, uh, I'm not too sure that we have we have the stomach for uh, reproductive rights at the moment. Yes, it's like or, or, it's am, like- I, 
what's that? Or am I looking at this completely wrong? And do you think he will try force some things through? It feels very much like you could have, unfortunately, he could see this as his only opportunity. Okay, yep. And when you have people that are placed in these positions of authority and they can see that they don't have um, the potential to carry on, so if he was Mm -hmm. not looking beyond the next election, you may see him bring forward some policies that he thinks, well, I can only get away with this now because I'm oh, never yeah. going to get this chance again. It feels so, so very much think- like the dying days of the John Howard government. Like it. So you think he's actually going to so – he's, so he's basically going, I've got one shot at this. I'm not going to win the next election. Yeah. This is my chance to yeah. do something and do do what strike while the iron's hot, basically. Yeah. And that is always a worry for a member of a minority, such as myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when he says things like the tyranny of gender identity. When you hear people say phrasing like that, Mm -hmm. that does concern me a lot because trans people in particular are, in the UK, I think trans people are 0.3% of the population, but I think it was something like 15% of all media coverage, etc., was dedicated to just trans people okay. in a recent thing, which was that's, disproportionately over the top. That's interesting. That is... Uh, <laughs> that is... All right. And the thing that you have to understand is that a society is measured on how it treats its minority members. Yep. Well, there was the old saying that society is measured by how we treat children and 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 the elderly. Yeah. But I think now, given that we're a lot more aware of uh, minorities and how they participate in society and what rights they're they're afforded, um, yeah, I, you may be uh, you may be onto something where we now measure we not only measure measure society by how we treat you know, children and animals and elderly. But now people who don't quite fit the the traditional binary models. And it does concern me because I'm going to out myself. I'm going to out myself on this podcast in the first episode. If you don't know me already, I am a trans woman. And I'm going to out myself in the very first episode because... Congrats. (laughs) It always feels a very weird thing being quite so open on on a new platform. But... People that start making a lot of statements that are of a very religious nature, as mm-hmm. someone who is a trans woman who used to be a very religious person, I can. Yes. I heard a lot of those things. And it is always very disturbing to be told certain things about me just for existing. It's like. Such as, like, if, if you're okay with it, could you maybe expand on that just to give oh, our, when, our audience. When I'm told, for example, that I shouldn't be allowed to go down to my local swimming baths and go into the women's changing room because, quote, I'm a man and therefore I'm going to prey on vulnerable women and children, Mm -hmm. that is just recycling of old homophobia. And it's also a very dim view of men as well because- It is, yeah. 
I hate I hate to use the old catch cry, but you know, not all not all men. Not not all men no, are you know. Yeah. And it makes out that somehow just me existing is a threat to other people. Mm. Where I get told that because I I like to play soccer, I like to mm. play goal, I have people that say I shouldn't be playing because I therefore am at an advantage just because of the way that I am. Mm. Now I've been at this I've been at this seventeen years, give or take. Really? So you and were thirty two at time of recording. <laughs> yes. So I haven't finished going through male puberty in its entirety when I decided to say, no, hang on a minute. But to be then told, well, excuse me, you've got some innate advantage that I can't put my finger on because I think that what you have had happened to you makes you mm -hmm. better just because. Mm -hmm. When there's scientific evidence out there that says testosterone reduction um, leads to the reduction in muscle mass, etc., etc. I won't go into yep, the science, yep. that's not for here. Yep. But that is straight up, I don't like you. I'm going to look for a reason not to like you. And that might be the that might be the thing is that there's already a, a personal prejudice. Yes. And then some people look for reasons to back up that personal prejudice. Yes. And when I hear that there is a Catholic, a very Catholic person running New South Wales, Dominic mm -hmm. Perrottet. Yep. If he follows the directives from Rome. Mm -hmm. He thinks that a I'm a man, which yep. demonstrably I am not, and b that I'm somehow mentally ill and should be segregated from society to for the protection of everybody else. And number three, I can be cured by conversion therapy. No, that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, hopefully if if that is indeed what is coming from Rome, I hope that the Premier of New South Wales doesn't take directions from Rome. That would be yeah. But uh, I know this is kind of getting off the Australian politics uh, thing a little bit. But are there? What was that second point that you made? So the first point you said was that you know you're not really a man, but then the second the second thing you said was well, they believe you're that that you're I'm dangerous mentally as a ill. Side. Oh, that's I'm right. Yes, ill person, and therefore I'm a danger to society because I could be spreading around my mental illness. And are there like I, I I am a little bit behind the times on this, but are there are there still people saying that? Oh yes, absolutely. Really? Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> some of them are in British government. Oh. Okay. That's. <laughs> wow. Um, there was um, the deputy prime minister said, "I do not believe that you should be able to be called um, trans unless you have a psychiatric diagnosis." Okay, which That's interest, <laughs> interesting. So the deputy prime minister of the UK said that. So this is not. So this is very much along the same lines as what we had in the nineteen nineties and early two thousands of, well, gay people are ill. 
Mm-hmm. Gay people will. Gay people can be cured of their gayness. Yes. Uh, there was the I think what was called the, the pray pray the gay away. Yes, pray the gay away. It's now turned into um, pray the trans away. Mm. Is what it's now it's now morphed into. Yep. So it is very worrying seeing someone like Andrew Perrottet. Dominic. Take, sorry, Dominic Perrottet. Yep. I'm getting. I'm getting Premier's confused in my head here. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's easy nowadays. It is. it is. They're both very generic white men looking. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, at least to have some tattoos or something. God, be a bit outrageous. <laughs> I, know, I know. This is. I think the closest we got was Ricky Muir back in <laughs> when he was part of. You know, when, when he was. Uh, when he somehow got into the Senate. You know, well, I, I, yeah. liked, I, I liked having the working class guy from you know, Traralgon or whatever whatever part of uh, regional Victoria it was because I think we need more people like Ricky yeah, Miller. Yeah. He also wasn't afraid to just go in there and just start, oh, hey, I'm just going to shake things yeah, up. Um, but then you do have other people that go in there to shake things up who do just look like, I'm going to say this because I've been wanting to say this for a while, generic bigoted white woman called Pauline Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> but then you do Jeez, have uh, that. Paul, Pauline, if you do, if you want to come on the show, Pauline, uh, we'll we'll keep a seat one for you, and we'll treat you with respect. Though we, we may disagree with, with we may strongly disagree with you on a lot of things, and you may strongly disagree with us. But mm. we'll sit down and chat with you. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so this is this is the thing. Um, will he? Will he take? Uh, like. I see where you're coming from. I just don't, how can I say, I don't know too much about him and all I'm hearing from him is is secondhand opinion. So I think the proof will be in the pudding, but if he does start to make any moves towards towards directions that you think will limit rights of people in your position, then yeah, you will will be be right. Uh, I just think that, Incoming incoming uh, leaders tend to do best when they take up most of the positions of the people they replaced, and then slowly, slowly uh, change yeah. things. And then, when you get to an election, that's when you start to make your own stamp on on the party and on and on the parliament. Yeah, it very much. But, it, I hope that that's what happens because then it will give mm-hmm. the voters the choice. Yes, do you want? This vision this, of New South Wales, yep, or do you want this yep. vision of New South Wales? Yep. And look, he may be able to leave his faith, uh, you know, his faith at home, so to speak, and lead New South Wales, uh, the largest economy in Australia, in a in a relatively, um, in a, in a relative with, with a relatively steady hand. And I do hope that that is what he does, mm. because. He described himself as coming from the libertarian yep. wing. And if he does uphold those libertarian values, then he should be asking for less government, less regulation, and mm-hmm. less interference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so your typical your typical conservative Yeah. Talking points. Yeah. 
But if he is one of these religiously motivated conservatives, so it, so you're right, you're right wing, you're right wing yeah. wing nut. Will it be that he deregulates some areas, like in the economy, but on social mm-hmm. issues, he brings in restrictions because he did vote against decriminalising abortion in 2019. He voted mm-hmm. against um, the euthanasia proposal, the voluntary euthanasia yep. proposal. Yep. And those are potentially indicators of where he could be going. So could he be going on some of the restrictions when it comes to obtaining an abortion? Because mm. could he bring in certain limits on how freely you can get it? Could he bring in certain restrictions on doctors advising patients? Yeah, yeah. And so on. And you just got to look very closely at the nuances because that's where the inches are made. So you've got to push Indeed, one yeah. way and he'll push the other way. And if you don't yeah. push back and you don't push back, then the pendulum can swing, so to speak. No, I, 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 get, I get where you're coming from. Well, uh, how much more time do you have, Phoebe? Before I know five minutes, I do. Okay, (laughs) no worries, no because my my second talking point of the week was the fact that uh, work cover, who are the occupational health and safety authority in the state of Victoria, have actually charged uh, the Victorian government with uh, now. What did they actually? I'm going to get get it up on the screen because I want to be accurate with um. So. Uh, basically, uh, failure to provide a safe workplace with regards to the hotel quarantine system that they had set up last year. Oh, so so this is so we spent a lot of time. So we, as in the people of Victoria, we spent a lot of time. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Charges laid over hotel quarantine. So if you so if you are looking at the screen, I don't, I don't know if I'll post this as a video. I think I'll just cut the cut the audio and. Uh, but yeah, so if you go to worksafe.vic.gov.au, uh, they do have a uh, a media item where they say charges laid over hotel quarantine. Worksafe has charged the Victorian Department of Health with 58 breaches of the Occupational Health and Safety Act in relation to Victoria's initial hotel quarantine program. So we had we spent a lot like this year. We spent most of last year in lockdown as well, and what we noticed was that most of the, so I think there were three major or three or four major outbreaks of COVID in the state and they pretty much all came from hotel quarantine. There was something that happened in hotel quarantine. Uh, A worker somehow got infected. A worker then uh, took it to the community. Uh, So basically a, a security guard who works at different hotels would get would get uh, COVID. They would take it back to their to their home, and sometimes it would happen that their partner would work in aged care, and so you have two people who are working in high contact jobs, and voila, out from there it spreads 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 to the community. So it'll be very interesting to see, and this is part of, I think, why why we like this kind of gov- this kind of government that we're in that not even the government is is above the law now it will be interesting to see 
what comes what comes of this and what sort of punishment the what sort of punishment the government will get because the problem is is that there is still a lot of raw feeling from people whose relatives died in aged care last year because of the breaches in hotel quarantine. So there is still a bit of bad feeling about being locked down and the fact that it was the government's own scheme that failed numerous times that caused us to be locked down. So it will be very interesting to see what happens. One, what happens with this, and two, when they actually take it to trial in regards to the election, because I think next year is when the Victorian government is due to go back to the polls. Yes. So this may... (laughs) This may end up being a, a a rod for the back, but there is one more thing I want to say about this before uh, before I, we have to depart. Was that there was a royal commission into the hotel quarantine scheme that took place last year, and one of the big findings from that was that they could not work out who gave the green light to not get the military involved in running security for the hotel quarantine program. Someone somewhere had made the, made the decision to authorise private contractors. And so they asked the health minister, the premier, I think the deputy premier, the deputy health minister, the police commissioner, that they asked all these people and they all said, it wasn't me, it was someone else. I delegated the authority to that person there. That person that said, no, I got the authority from that person there or something like that. So it was all you know people talking past each other. And it was quite interesting that the day after her appearance in uh, at the Royal Commission, the health minister at the time, now I forget, I, I do forget the name, um, but she resigned after her appearance at the Royal Commission. And I do think that that is very telling. So it is, and. Here's the, here's the thing that just sprung into my mind. It was if everyone passes the buck and it goes all the way up, do we start saying, well, the Queen did it? <laughs> well, te- technically, the Queen, technically, the Queen signed off on it because, uh, because, yeah. b- because of the way our governmental system works. <laughs> now, I'm just trying to... Th- I'm just trying... What's the... Oh, Jenny Makakos. That's right. It was Jenny. It was, it, I know it was, it, was a, it was a Greek name, but it just had to... Yeah, so Jenny Karkos, after her appearance at the Royal Commission, said, "No, I, you know, I can't work like this anymore." Well, I'm surprised so, anyone can work like that. Well, when you when you get paid a uh, big bucks to uh, you know, push push paper and look after you know where, where responsibility, but yeah, anyway, um, I'm sure by the time we meet up next, we will have much many more things to discuss. I do hope so too, because all I can say is there are a number of developing stories in the works. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. at least New South Wales, because I say I've got friends in New South Wales who keep feeding me information. New South okay, Wales is yeah, supposed yeah. to be coming out of its most severe restrictions, <laughs> but, but they keep pushing back. Like, oh, not quite yet. Not oh, yeah. those case numbers don't look good. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yes. And um, then we, we could all, we could have also discussed Anastasia Palace making herself the Olympics minister. Yes, in Queensland as well. I thought, okay, that's that, that's patting I, yourself on the back. 
I know the Olympics are coming, but they're not coming just yet. <laughs> no, so it's still another 11 years. <laughs> only, so, only, only got to go through Paris and Los Angeles before they get to <laughs> the land down know. under. I know that's. Uh, um, we could have also talked about the the chi- the submarine deal that the French are a little bit unhappy about. We well, could yes, have also discussed uh, Tony Abbott's appearance at a Ty- Taiwanese uh, political conference. We could also discuss Tony Abbott's appointment as a UK trade envoy. Oh, that that that's old. That's old news. Like we we don't want him anymore. So you you guys can have him. <laughs> I know, but on the, on the subject of Tony Abbott, I mean, I will always remember at the last Australian federal election. So mm-hmm. I had the ABC radio on whilst yep. I was working that day. And Waronga came in and I couldn't believe it. Is it Waronga, Waringa? I can't remember how you pronounce Waringa, it. Waringa, yes. Yep. Waringa, it came in. Mm-hmm. And they said that he was looking doubtful in the two candidate preferred. Yes. And I couldn't believe it. And then they said he's gone. And at that point, I just went, why can't we do that with Boris? <laughs> why can't we just go to Boris's position, which is Uxbridge and South Ryslip, and just go, look, elect somebody else. <laughs> the problem is, is that that your that kind of conservative side of politics is very, very popular in Britain. Yes, it because, is. Because, yeah, N- Nigel Farage had a platform for many years. Uh, Margaret mm. Thatcher had a platform for, you know, I think she was, how many times was she elected? Two or three? Three. Okay, three. yeah, so obviously. 83 and 87. Okay, yep, yeah, so she, uh, she, she she kept the seat warm for, for quite a while as well. She so, did. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, this has been anyway. a lot of fun. This has. this has been a lot of fun. I indeed, and look, I appreciate you opening up, up about your personal life. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've done it too many times, but it's good that we've we've got it out there. And yes, we can have we can have these conversations in a mature and informative way. Well, all I can say is, well, thank you for not being an Aussie arsehole about things <laughs> about about this thing. I'm yes, sure there's many other things I will be an Aussie asshole many, about. Many other things. I mean, there's many things that I'll be some pommy cow about that you'll be going, what are you? But yes, all I can say is that in a month's time, I was supposed to be watching the Rugby League World Cup fine. But that's not happening. And no. I'm blaming the Australians. And that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> Don't don't you don't you there? I, I hope Boris Johnson wins the next election, just just to spite you, just to just to give you a rub, you know, just to like make you feel really pissed this, off. Let's put it this way: Scomo could win again. You could have Scomo for three more years. Can we swap? <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that. But on that note, to everyone listening, thank you ever so much. To Damien. Thank you ever so much. I'm Phoebe, Phoebe. J. Rose. And you I'm are... Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. And until next time... Let's save... The Governor-General. Adios. In history's page, let every stage advance Australia fair.